listening to I Know What I Like, the Genesis podcast. I'm Paul Rose, sometimes known as Mr. Biffa, and I'm here with my dear wife, Sanya. Greetings, genocidals. <laughs> not good. Not good. Nah, not good. Greetings, I Know What I Likers. Wardrobers. Greetings, wardrobers. Yeah, oh, that's that's. <laughs> Genius, we're keeping that. We're keeping that for this, the Genesis podcast. Only kidding, we're not a Genesis podcast. We thought we'd play a prank on you all for our special 50th anniversary episode. 50 glorious years of Biampod. Psych. We um, we really wanted to do something special for this episode, didn't we? We did. Uh, but, um, we couldn't think of it. But let's just say he never replied to my message. <laughs> What a surprise and, after yeah, who, after the podcast. Who could blame him few. after the last three months? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like a massive surprise or no, shock, was it? He probably gets a lot of them on Patreon. Yeah. I'm cancelling my purple membership. Anyway, um, but but we have got a sort of special episode, kind of, ish. Uh we're gonna talk about a few different things. Um before we go to Anamatophobia, we keep pushing that further and further back. To celebrate our 50th anniversary episode, we thought we'd finally tackle the Genesis issue. Because we went to see Genesis in concert this week, we didn't did. we? We did. We saw their first... We saw the first gig of their tour. Does their that, first show in 14 show. years. We saw their first show <laughs> Do in I? 14 years in four- of their tour. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, that's like... Oh. Okay. Yes, we saw the first night of their tour. We saw the first night of their tour. The the last domino tour, because it's got a question mark at the oh, end. Oh, does it? The last domino. The last domino. The last domino tour, which kicked off in Birmingham. So I want to talk about that, because this was Sanya's first proper exposure to Genesis. And mm-hmm. I want to see how she thinks the two bands compare, if indeed they compare at all. Mm. But before we get to that, there's been some news. Marillion news. Telegram. That an hour before it's dark, song titles have been revealed. They have indeed. They have. And I'm going to go through them. Track one, which we're going to get as a, a as an MP3 for everyone who's pre-ordered the album. Track one is going to be called Be Hard On Yourself. Track two is Murder Machines. Mm. Track three, Reprogram the Gene. Track four, The Crow and the Nightingale. Track five, Sierra Leone. Track six, Care. Just six tracks again. You're loving this. I'm loving you that there are, are only... You are loving s- that there are only six tracks. Joke will be on me when there's that, that song's all five minutes long. <laughs> Half an hour long album. Mark Kelly finally got his way. Yeah, Mark Pe- Mark Kelly's celebrating. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's at least one long song on there, isn't there? Yeah, there has to be. There has to be. I find that really fascinating that we're They're getting all, only all six the songs. All the songs are like, five songs are like one minute long and then one song is... An hour long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we could we could do lots of variations of that joke, couldn't we? We could if we wanted to. <laughs> we could go. There's like, kind of four of the songs are like are like minute and a half long <laughs> then three songs are 30 seconds long yeah one song is two minutes long such a good joke you just keep going and going with it 
Um, yeah, I am. I admit, I'm genuinely really excited. You're glowing. Like, your whole attitude has changed. You've done a Six 180. Song. It's not... Ow, bang my elbow. It's not that... I kind of necessarily want Marillion to do long songs because as someone did point out to me, Simon Clark, ex of the Web fan club uh, and of the Pink Noise online radio show thing. I don't know what you'd call it, but anyway, go check him out. Um, he uh, did say to me, the trouble is with, with only six songs, if you don't like a couple of them, then, well, then you only like, for instance, four songs on the <laughs> If you don't like one, then you like five. I don't you, know. We're going to start with that now. Well, this is the way to do a 50th episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do the it. The most mundane 50th we, look, episode. Look, we wanted H to be on. He's busy. And also, I, I know. would be too nervous for him to come on at the moment. We would be, we would be very, if he very just wait, nervous. If he waits till our 100th episode, then we'll, we'd have got around to nice stuff. Then he'll stuff. love us again. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I thought I'd charge, charge me arm. Mm. Never mind. Oh, well. <laughs> crying? Just crying a it's bit. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, not that I necessarily want them to do long songs, but what, what it implies to me is that they are... It's not just an album of, of songs, if you know what I mean. There'll mm. be some... There'll be a degree of epicness on there, which is what I want, don't I? Yes. If it's if it's upbeat epicness, well, that's okay. As long as there's epicness. Yeah, and what I don't mean epic has to be long, but Marillion, as we have established, are at their best when they're doing something that's a little bit arty and theatrical and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what also is great about that. Is it feels to me like they've learnt their lesson from fear as well that, you know, fear was obviously went down so well mm-hmm. with the fan base. Part yeah. of me, a really cynical part of me, kind of went, did they just do this because fear went down so well and they kind of, <laughs> I don't know. But we, you don't mind if that's I the don't case. Care. Yeah, you don't look bothered by it. No, I'm not. You're loving it. Yeah, really excited Aww, about that. That's that's lovely to see. Let's go through the. Uh, the song titles a little bit. Each one, I'm like, could that be the one about the environment? Ah, could that be the no, one? No, because I know I some of them we know. Oh, we do. Yeah. Oh, how um, do you know? Apparently, it was in uh, on on the prog website that I know what two. Well, two of them are about. Oh, go on, spill the beans. Well, an hour before I die. That's the name of the title of the album. But well done, you didn't need to read that out again. An hour before no, I die. No, just ignore me. I read that out. I didn't mean to read that out again. <laughs> There isn't a song called An Hour Before I Die. Oh. And, uh, that's not, that's called An Hour Before It's Dark. Let's, yeah. I might cut all that. Mm, good idea. <laughs> might cut all that or might just leave it in. Because, hey, it's the 50th episode Jamboree, everyone. Be Hard On Yourself is track one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which apparently is the song about climate change and the environment. So okay. be hard on yourself. I what does that tell you? It means like don't be blasé. Make that extra effort yes. to recycle and reuse, repair. Um, actually, reuse and repair come first, then recycle because yeah. not everything is recyclable. What's the other R? What are the other R's? There's five R's. Rubber, rubbish. Re repair, reuse. Rewind. Recycle, recycle. <laughs> no, let's just. 
no one cares at the minute. It's well, they we all care about. They will the care after after Look, they heard this. You song. know, because this the H issued a statement, didn't he, about how we've all got to effectively be hard on ourselves. Yes. And um, you know, and I'm sure <coughs> all the vinyl will be recycled plastic. Um, and I'm sure H has made lots of positive changes in his life as well to help the environment. Um, and I'm sure they'll offset all the carbon on the tour. This will be going in the recycling bin. My notes. <laughs> yeah, that's not very environmentally friendly to have printed notes, is it? It's recyclable paper. Yeah, paper's not in Fine, I'm a hypocrite. Is it? Is I'm a hypocrite. It? Okay. So that's the song about the environment that we shall be hearing first off the album. Now, on to uh, the song Murder Machines, Ooh. which I cannot read that title without smiling. <laughs> is it about? Is it about the government? Or the Terminator. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of borderline... It, I don't know. They're sad about it. It's like, it's like the sort of song title that had I seen that when I was like fourteen, I'd have gone, yeah. And I <laughs> the don't mean that. Have taken over. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean that in any kind of like disparaging way. I genuinely mean I, I unironically love it as a title, really? even though it's kind of a bit. I don't know. Is it? What do you reckon? It's about drones. Oh, I was literally thinking it was like a metaphor for the government and how oh. they don't care about Could be. their population. Do you think it's about corporations as murder machines? Yeah, possibly that as well. As there was a bit Killing. of a concept. The yes. word concept was used by H, wasn't it? Mm. When he was talking about the album. It was. He used the word the concept. So, I mean, it could be about humans and how we're treating our planet. Could be. And each other. And eating animals. Yes, all of that. Murdering animals to eat them. Uh, next track, reprogram the gene. Having a clue? Uh, well, to to change us to be more empathic and to be more thoughtful and mindful of how our behaviour is affecting each other and the planet, mm. we need to reprogram that selfish gene in us that we only think about the moment and short-term pleasures and goals rather than long-term effects of our behaviours. Mm. I don't think the whole album is about well, the environment because we know. I'm, it's not, I mean, it's not going to be what I said, is it? Might be. <laughs> Might be. The next track I think is probably going to be the Len Leonard Cohen love song. Uh, the Crow and the Nightingale. Love the title. Sounds it's like, a gorgeous yeah. title, isn't Sounds it? Sounds like off of the H. Richard Barbieri album, not The Weapon, but The, ha um, but the Hand. Oh. Um, but yeah, supposedly there is a, a love song to Leonard Cohen on the album. Has to be that. I, Partly. I, I'm not familiar with Leonard Cohen. You know the song Hallelujah? <gasps> he did, yeah, he wrote Fam that. Famous Blue Raincoat. No. What? Mm. H sometimes does that at H Natural shows. Does he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, one. It's, it is one of my favourite songs. And has Leonard Cohen written something about crows or nightingales <laughs> or? <laughs> uh, I did try to look. 
Um, I did try to look whether whether there were any references to Crows or Nightingales to do with Leonard Cohen. Couldn't find any. I mean, let's hope Murder Machines isn't about Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Conspiracy. Yeah. He was killed by a drone. Um, yeah, the only the only crows I could find in relation to Leonard Cohen were various people called Crow who have done cover versions of Hallelujah, which is probably must be. Like, how many how many people called Crow are there out there who have done well, at least cover two, versions? At least two, including Cheryl Crow. Look, oh okay, Hallelujah is yes. one of those songs that everyone has to cover sooner or later yeah, in their life, including us. If if everyone will be famous for fifteen minutes in the future, everyone in the music industry will have covered Hallelujah sooner or later. Fair enough. Um, so the next track, uh, I suspect, is the song about the diamond. Because he said there's a song about a big diamond on the album. And, and which this, diamond is it? Well, I can tell you because the track's called Sierra Leone. Oh. And it's about the Sierra Leone diamond. I, ra- oh, I, I would ra- wager. So it's not going to be a love song to Neil Diamond. I, well, so okay, I'm guessing. Now. Look, we're just guessing. Well, no, probably not. He didn't say he'd written a love song. It'd be weird if he did an album which had love <laughs> just songs. love to songs to various other singers. Crooners. Um, so the Sierra Leone Diamond, mm. let's see if we can work out what the song might be about from some facts about it. All right. It's a 709 carat alluvial diamond. By the way, Fraser Marshall, I hope you're taking notes here for your website, <laughs> Meridian Explanations of Song Elements. We've beaten everyone to this. So, 709 carat alluvial diamond found in 2017 by workers hired by the pastor Emmanuel Momo. <laughs> That's his name. Still. By workers hired by the pastor Emmanuel Momo in River Sediment in Koidu Village, Kono District, Sierra Leone. It has since been renamed the Peace Diamond. Oh. The Peace Diamond was discovered on the 13th of March. Well, I've just read that bit. Why am I reading it again? Um, Momo found... Wasn't Momo that scary... Yeah, uh, we had a Momo mask. Well, we yeah. still do, upstairs. That scary viral image that went, did the rounds. That yeah, if you saw it, and I got a thought, text from um, the one of the girls' schools saying, don't take any notice of it. It's not a real thing. Because children were getting really scared. Yes, what I was about to explain before Tanya talked over me was just oh, in case you don't know what Momo is. It was a viral image that did the rounds a few years ago that was of this weird bird-faced girl. Uh, actually, was taken from a Japanese sculpture. But yes, kids, as Tanya explained, kids were passing it around. The idea was if you got Momo'd, you um, died. Anyway, this is not what this song's about, so I don't know why we're mentioning it. So Momo found the diamond while searching through the river sediment. Um, uh, he's not a professional diamond hunter. He looks for diamonds as a freelancer. Momo said that he had the option of fleeing to Belgium with the diamond using the help of a local dealer. However, he handed it over to the government with the hope that it would help increase development in the country and the impoverished Kono district. Mm, did uh, it? Well, I'll find out what it says on the next page if I can get... A- Grip on the corners. I can't. There. Oh, I don't know. All I all I can tell you is that the uncut found diamond is slightly smaller than a hockey puck. It's one of the twentieth largest ever found and the largest discovered in the past forty years. It is the second largest found in Sierra Leone. The largest being the Star of Sierra Leone. So it could be that. Song could be about that. But the Peace Diamond sounds like Peace Diamond sounds like it would yeah. fit onto the album. Um. There you go. Anyway, that's oh, it. Hang on. 
Wait, did we uncover why it's called the Peace Diamond? Well, isn't Sierra Leone quite a war-torn country? Mm. Yes. How did the diamond bring peace? Well, it doesn't. Maybe it was ironic. <laughs> it's an ironic name. I don't know if it did bring it peace. It caused a war. You can call anything. You know, you could kind of go... This it, is yeah. the peace podcast, everyone. Well, yeah. You could sort of say, this is my peace fridge. It doesn't mean the peace has, has brought about peace. Oh, fridges do bring peace when everyone's hangry. Yes. Just open the fridge right, door. fine. Okay, so uh, this is my peace microphone. doesn't mean it's brought about peace in Sierra Leone, does it? Just because I called it that. No. So, so just give me dirty looks. I'm not giving you dirty looks. I'm contemplating your wisdom. <laughs> it's out the window today. Uh, so the last song is Care. Care. Care, mm-hmm. which uh, I suspect is probably the death song. Yeah, so they're wondering, do I want to go into a care home when I'm older? <laughs> <laughs> or do I just want to like live as long as I possibly can in my own home? Yeah, it's a funny title, isn't it? Care for a song. Mm. This song's called Care. Care. You think this is the death song and not Murder Machines? I, I mean, mm. actually, I don't think Murder Machines is the death song, just putting it out there. That was a terrible attempt. <laughs> that was a terrible attempt at humour. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe it's Murder Machines is about euthanasia. Mm. <laughs> I suspect not. <laughs> I suspect well, not. I suspect not. Also. Anyway, we don't know. We're just speculating. It's, it's fun to speculate, though, it's isn't it? It's fun, yeah. We live for speculation. We do. Uh, so that's that. That's that's the songs on an, uh, an hour before it's dark. That we're going to be getting early next year. When do you know when the first one will be released? Well, Lucy said, was it Lucy or the band, whoever whoever did the the statement the other day said we're going to get an MP3 before the tour because they're going to be playing um, that first song on the tour. And the tour begins in November. Is that correct? Yes. So, so to soon. give us time to know it. Soon, that means. Soon, soon that mean. Yes, soon that means. Yes. <laughs> next month is October. Yeah. Month after is November. So we might even get it next month. We might, yeah. Well, I mean, they, Mike Hunter's still got to finish mixing the album, so presumably he'll do. I forgot what the song's called. What was it called, Sonia? I'll have to get my paper out again and make rustling sounds. I can't remember either. Um... It was called... Well, what did I do? Did I throw my bit of paper away? Oh, be hard on yourself. No, I'll be hard on you. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, can I just say as well, be hard on yourself is about as... Um, it's almost comically, stereotypically H as a title, I think. It's such an H title. Mm. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. It's not your fault. Be hard on yourself. <laughs> Mixed messages. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your fault. Be hard on yourself. <laughs> but don't hurt yourself. Uh, well, what am I meant to do? <laughs> what am I do? Yeah. Yeah, it's very H. All right, Genesis. Mm. Genesis, mm-hmm. a name that has plagued Marillion since their earliest days. All right, admittedly, it's more or less been put to rest now, the whole Genesis issue. Nonetheless, you still occasionally see it mentioned, the Do comparison you? from particularly lazy music journalists. 
they were lucky when the crowdfunding thing happened with anarachnophobia because I think that gave journalists something else to talk about other than Marillion sounding like Genesis. So they were comparing them to Genesis all the way to... Yeah, because they wouldn't really... Yeah, they, well, hang on, I don't... Yeah, I mean, I don't... It was less and less because they sounded less like Genesis. Mm. But yeah, absolutely they would. Because journalists are fundamentally lazy. You know, I've got my friend Tim who went and did a review of um, the band Tapau when he was a music journalist. He worked for Melody Maker, I think, or was it Record Mirror? One of those. Anyway, um, and he was he was uh, meant to interview the lead singer Carol Decker afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, he, he went and watched the first song and went, this is rubbish, went back to his free hotel room and drank the minibar dry and made up the review of the gig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and even even made up the interview from no. bits of other interviews what? and got away with it. Wow. Yeah. So How do you make up a review of a gig? He did. <laughs> All right, I, made up, good I made up some reviews of video games back in the day. Have you? Yeah, I did. Back in my <gasps> games journal days because I didn't have time. I couldn't be bothered to play them. To a great extent. That explains why some reviews are really inaccurate when you read them. Yeah. Yeah. And video games as well. It's a big commitment to review a video game. It's a big commitment. Mm. Um, yeah, because some games are big. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I wasn't enjoying it, oh, let's just... Uh, I can, I can probably extrapolate from what's here and then just give it a, a, a kind of a, a score that's not too low <laughs> so that no one kind of goes, did you even play it? Right. Only once did we ever get caught out, but it was not a review that I'd written. It was a game. Um, was it Cannon Fodder, one of the Cannon Fodder games? Maybe the first Cannon Fodder game. And Adam Keeble, who worked in the office with us, made an assertion about the game which wasn't true. Because he said there aren't vehicles in the game, and apparently there were in later levels. Oh, and the oh PR no. person rang us up and was not happy. Oh. <laughs> you haven't played enough of it, so right. you know you just have to be vague enough mm. that speaking genera- gen- generalities. Mm-hmm. Journalists are the worst. <sighs> anyway, there goes my credibility. <laughs> <laughs> No one's going to ask you to review anything anymore. So we went to the first night of the Genesis, the last Domino tour. Yes. At the Birmingham Indoor Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanya, you're not a Genesis fan, are you? No. But you are aware of their music from the fact that you grew up in the 80s. Yeah, I was really surprised how many songs I recognised. Most of them. I wouldn't yeah, most of them, exactly. I wouldn't say like... I knew the songs. I wasn't like singing along to the lyrics, although I was to a chunk of them. Um, yeah, I was really surprised by that. But they are one of those mega bands or were. <clears throat> yes. That were so ubiquitous at their peak. Mm. It's like, I wouldn't call myself a Fleetwood Mac fan, but I'd happily, oh, go, yeah. Yeah, I'd happily go and see them live because I know I'd know so many of the songs. Exactly. Same with like Rolling Stones. Yeah, exactly. Any of those bands. And you could, yeah, once you're you in just, that environment and you kind of go, oh, it's a familiarity, you just get into it and sing along with yeah, it. Yeah, you get carried away with it. And you become familiar with them by osmosis because they're always kind of around you. <laughs> you yeah. absorb, you absorb them almost. Well, well, they were sort of there at the height, Genesis, Collins era of, mm. of when MTV happened, which I think certainly that helped 
push them to that sort of level of ubiquity where they were just everywhere. And Collins obviously then had the the uh, massively successful solo career, which I thought was funny when you sort of said that the song you're looking forward to was in the Aww. air tonight. I said, they probably won't play that one. <laughs> they probably won't play their biggest hit because <laughs> it's not theirs to play. Oh, well. Um, oh, well. But you weren't massively looking forward to it either, were you? I wasn't sure. Yeah, I have to say. I wasn't sure because I had listened to uh, one of their greatest hits compilation albums and I didn't dislike it, but nothing really. I thought it's, it could go both ways. I thought I could, I might enjoy it, but I might just think, yeah, that's okay and get a bit bored. And, and and it was the opposite. I absolutely loved it. You've been listening. You've it. been listening to them all week, haven't you? Yeah. Well, not just exclusively them, but um, yeah, I've really loved. It. I want to go back and see them again. Well, we won't. Dream, dream on. Hundred and sixty quid the tickets. tickets. Were way too expensive. Um, but I would go back in a shot and watch that show another time. Yeah, and we were worried because. Obviously, Phil Collins isn't in the best of health. And we watched interviews with him beforehand where he didn't look like he was particularly enthusiastic <laughs> no. at the prospect of going on tour. Mm. You know, he can't move around the stage. like Because I saw them, the only other time I've seen them was in 2007 on the, uh, the Turn It On Again tour, mm. which was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. And I'm not, I wouldn't even call myself like the biggest Genesis fan in the world either. Uh, I really like um, certain albums. Mm. I, I'm less interested in the Phil Collins 80s era. Mm-hmm. There's there's tracks throughout I like, but like you, I kind of knew them all anyway, regardless. Yeah. But I also really like that sort of era of the second half of the 70s after Gabriel had left and because you heard the song Ripples the other day oh, and you went, that's love great. It. I mean, yeah that's I really like love that it there's some it's a yeah, bit of a sort of stri- unsung era where they're straddling the the heavy prog stuff and their poppier full-on mm. heavy pop stuff yeah oh I straight away added that to a playlist because it's like I want to hear that again I love yeah. it so much but um, so, so I don't call myself a sort of mega fan. Why did I pay £160 for the tickets? Because uh, I had more money back then two years ago when the tickets went on sale. I wouldn't pay that much now, that's for sure. But just because I The thing is, you didn't even tell me you'd gotten me a ticket because had you asked me, I probably would have said, no, that's fine, you go. Yeah. Um, don't worry. I, it's like I'm not enough of a fan know. to go. I can't believe I spent that much. Yeah, but it's it was insane. worth it. Well, it was you because, know because it, it had was. been it was so it had been long enough when I spent that money to kind of that it didn't hurt quite as yeah. much. Yeah, and it was genuinely a brilliant gig. The lighting, the screens were amazing, and Phil Collins, who you know obviously has to sit on a stall for the entirety of the show, mm. um, he still was able to kind of bring it as a front man. And even though I mean the first couple of songs, his voice wasn't all that, but you know I've been to- which I didn't notice because I wasn't. As familiar with those songs. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we've been to Fish concerts and once you sing along, it doesn't <laughs> matter quite so much. Uh, <laughs> and But after he, after uh, there was an acoustic section that they did, which was really funny because they did uh, an acoustic version of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway mm. and um, it had kind of slight sort of Spanish guitar in it. And I turned to Anthony and I said, oh my God, they're going to do a version of Fish's Fortunes of War. 
Um, <laughs> my God, I listened to it again on YouTube because I want to put it up. It sounds exactly like the song Fortunes of War really? by Fish. Oh, this acoustic what? version. <laughs> I know. It's like, what? I know. Okay. Even he was turned to me going, my God, it's exactly like it. Wow. Um, but... Anyway, um, but, but he after that, to, he seemed to walk because in the after beginning, after that acoustic bit, he his voice just sort of like kicked in. But even okay, I didn't really notice his voice when he started. I wasn't fully sure that how happy he was to be there. Mm. I mean, I think he yeah, okay, he was happy to be there, but something changed in him as the show went on. He relaxed and he seemed to, by the end, he was really enjoying it. Yeah, he was doing that audience interaction thing. Yeah, he was great. I mean, it says something about you as a front man. If you don't need to stand up, you can just sit in a chair. You don't need, he wasn't, he's not flamboyant. He's not show-offy in any way. He's really, really humble. And yet, he's such, he's got such a magnetic presence on stage. Mm. And he's such a great front man he really does engage with the audience he's very likable yeah well he's that really was his thing likeable. he was always sort of very every man that yeah. was I think, his appeal when genesis became huge was that people i think found him relatable because he's not yeah you know he's not a typical looking rock star rock star right <laughs> um, yeah but he's he's definitely got something magnetic about him that makes him work as a front man yeah but it was, and it wasn't just about him. I mean, wow! Some of my favourite parts of the show were the instrumental parts. Well, his son, who took over, Nick Collins, who took over on the drum. His son is, uh, I, don't, I can't think of the word to say to describe. He was him. like He's a dervish, a dervish, a whirling dervish, <laughs> the, a der- whirling dervish of the drums. Yeah, he's like what a talent. Yeah, he was phenomenal, and the songs, even though they had to play some of them in sort of a lower key. Uh, it didn't. It didn't matter, and they still. I mean, God, things like the the instrumental, or the sort of, sort of second half of the song Domino, mm. which is is from the sort of era of Genesis that that kind of gets discounted by the prog purists because you know every every album they did had some prog stuff on it, even mm-hmm. though it was all about those hits, really. Um, but yeah, the second part of Domino that just was immense live. Mm. That sort of, you know drives forwards and um yeah it and then just, we, and then with the video and the lighting as well yeah and the bit of cinema together. show they play they uh, that's the other thing because i wanted to i wanted to do something we, we we will never do at any other point on this podcast for our 50th episode special i want to compare genesis to marillion wow and i thought um what they did really well was the balance of old and new mm-hmm. and the balance of pop and prog. Right. I thought yes, I think they did that really well as well. They absolutely, I don't think, whatever era of Genesis you're a fan of, I don't think you could have come away from that show and been disappointed. Mm. Even because they're really clever with their, the way they, they've always done these medleys, or, you know, have done for decades, these, these medleys where it's a chance to sort of hear bits of old songs. And they did, um, oh God, uh, Dancing with the Moonlit Night, I think they did at the start of, of um, Carpet Crawlers, just the first verse of it, which is almost spoken word. Um, and uh, I really like it. 
because you kind of feel like you've heard a bit of all, you know, loads of favourites, even though you've heard fewer full songs. Mm -hmm. Something that Marillion have always been anti. Mm. Fish has done it at points. Um, you know, I know, you know, he used to, uh, certainly in his sort of, uh, sort of in the 90s, he would often do um, a medley which sort of threw in sort of old classic Marillion bits and, you know, bits of assassin or, or whatever. Um, but Marillion are sort of very anti it. I just, I don't know, it's a shame because I kind of think it would be a good way to kind of get some of those uh, fish lovers on side. (laughs) Have they said why they're anti-medleys? No, maybe they just feel it's unsatisfying and yet they'll they'll only play half of Cinderella Search and segue into something else. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's their idea of a medley, I don't know. Uh, but um, but yeah, I'm all for them. I get I get I get that sort of thinking that it it maybe it isn't as satisfying as hearing the whole song. You're waiting for your favourite bit to come up, which yeah, you know, absolutely is the case for Cinderella Search mm. or, or Blind Curve. <laughs> You're waiting for your favourite bit and it never appears. Yeah. So what you should do is then pick the best bit of the song, not the bit that isn't as good. <laughs> as, you know, which is what Genesis seem to do. You know, they'll pick the best bit of the cinema show and play that. Mm. Um, so uh, the big question is can I just say before we go on Genesis fans are wild are they? yeah I mean because we had had, by the way Pat Anthony got us amazing seats we had such good seats where we could see the stage perfectly to the side yeah but quite close to the front and then we could also see uh, the middle section underneath us and we've ha- I saw one fan getting escorted away by security. Well, only because he was out of his seat and had gone down the front. He'd gone right down to the front of the stage. So it's like, okay, you see he's going, being escorted away by security. There was a couple of ladies that had stood up and were dancing. There was one guy, okay, so I've seen, in my life, I have seen people play air guitar. I've seen people play air drums. But there was one man playing air bongos at one point. It was brilliant. I mean, to, to, to categorise all Genesis fans as wild, having seen four people in an audience of 70,000. An <laughs> no, and was... then there was the other guy that spent the whole gig right at the front. He was in yeah. the front row, but he spent it the whole gig standing up. At the barrier. Pressed against the barrier, with throwing his arms into the air with full force and full energy. You've got to give him kudos for having that amount of energy. Something that really surprised me, mm. well, for, for a start, was how different the audience was generally to a Meridian audience. A lot of them were quite well dressed, seeming. quite well yeah. dressed, shall we say? Nice, Compared nice. To us. The men in nice crisp shirts, women in nice dresses, mm. uh, like they were out out for the night at the theatre. Whereas you go to a Meridian gig. And his gig T-shirts, you know, band T-shirts, kind of all, all across roll. the board. Um, yeah, and obviously Genesis fans are kind of, on average, I would say, about ten years older than Meridian fans, which right. is about right, I right. would say. Because okay. um, our hotel room was full of Genesis yes. fans, and they, all, as I say, looked like they were out for a nice night, a nice meal, or something. Um, it really surprised me how many people filming the gig. There were quite a lot. A lot. There? I mean, the guy that was sitting directly in front of me, oh. he had a little. Oh, no, yeah. not that one. Oh, no. Oh, no, the guy to his left. <laughs> so, yeah, funny. I should explain. Yeah, you better Cu- explain that. Couple in front of us, right, decided to FaceTime someone, FaceTime the gig 
yes. to them. So they were sort of showing them the gig while looking at the FaceTime. <laughs> and then, um, this is not a joke, by the way. So they're FaceTiming the show to, I don't know, this woman's sister. Was it Bex? I think it was Bex, whoever she was. And then presumably Bex's husband or boyfriend walks onto the camera completely naked. <laughs> was he completely naked? I think he was completely naked. He was certainly, yes, I didn't see a cock and balls. But, <laughs> but the, the, the sense was he hadn't got any clothes I on. I only saw the top half. Um, yeah, uh, they, they cut that short. <laughs> Pretty sharpish. Was not what I expected to see at a Genesis concert, to say the least. Um, well, the guy that was sitting to the left of that lady, he basically filmed the whole thing on his, um, not on a phone, but on like a proper camera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really surprised how many people were doing that because Lucy and the the team with Marillion have got very good at saying to people, don't, don't watch the show through your phone. Um, but some people just did the whole show. And so many cameras that were just out for huge swathes of it. A bit disappointing, really. Given that, you know, come on, they're going to release a DVD eventually. Mm. The show, you'll see this show again. In better quality. Yeah, yeah in better quality. It's ridiculous. Um, so, with that in mind. Yes. Admittedly, this isn't the Peter Gabriel era of Genesis, although they did play some. Mm-hmm. Could you see any Marillion in there? Uh, on that, during that night? Yeah. And um, having since listened to Having some... since... Okay, so I've had an interesting experience yesterday where um, I had a, the whole day at the desk yesterday and I was able to listen to music. And I started off listening to um, Anarachnophobia. Mm. And then when that finished, uh, Spotify did that thing where it just shuffles through whatever it thinks is similar to anarachnophobia. Mm. And there was a lot of various artists that you've mentioned before on this podcast, um, including Genesis. And I did, I found myself at the end thinking after I'd heard three Marillion songs had come on, three, or maybe a few more, and three Genesis songs had come on, not all one after each other, mixed in with, like, oh, Dave Gilmore. Let and... me just interrupt for a second. Yeah. Can I just let people know that Easter came on, didn't it? And you <gasps> yes! Were... Yes. Yeah, so the... the first song that came on after Anarachnophobia was Easter. And I did have a positive reaction. I was like, yay, <laughs> See, Easter. everyone, it's not it's a not fish versus about... H thing. Yeah, it's not just about the fish era. I was like, oh, wow, Easter, that sounds so good. Um, yeah, what were the other songs, I think, were Season's End, King of Sunset Town. And then there were a, there was, like, Script for Jester's Tear mixed in. Um, oh, there was something from Clutching at Straws, but I can't remember what. Didn't you say Expresso was... Bongo came on, and I even oh. loved that. You said Just for the Record to me last just night. Just for the Record came on, yes, and then maybe there was some something from Clutching at Straws, but I can't remember. But these were all mixed with like um, Stephen Wilson and Dave Gilmore and Riverside, Riverside, which you didn't like as much. When you hear them mixed in with all these other bands, they weren't as strong. Mm. But anyway, so at the end of the day, after a lot of music listening, uh, a lot of mixed music listening, I found myself 
thinking, and I wasn't like directly thinking this, I was just thinking, because I was imagining a, a Genesis song came on and I remembered being at the gig and I was like, oh, I wish I was there again. And then I remember thinking, I want to see Marillion at the Birmingham is it the Birmingham NEC? NIC, National no, NIA, National Indoor Arena. I want to see Marillion at the Birmingham NIA because I think that they would they they would put on a show that was just as good. Like I know oh, they would put on a doubt. show without just a shadow of a doubt. Good. I mean, remember the and Royal it would Albert be Hall? Epic. Yes, they can fill a place like yeah, that. Yeah, they not could. not in terms of bums on seats necessarily, but in terms of sound. Yeah, they can oh, absolutely. they could, and. I thought it was interesting listening to all of these other artists. I actually half thought without realising what I was thinking, there's something similar about Marillion and Genesis. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> oh, and it was only like an That's hour la- And it was only like an hour <laughs> later that I realised what I'd thought. But it wasn't that they sounded the same. There was something about the quality of their sound. There was something about the 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 variety of sound within yeah. a song the variety of music the the layered instruments the the epicness there's something i've always that i my i'm quite fussy with my prog as you know yes uh i only like i don't like the kind of prog that's and i'm saying this despite the fact i do like some songs by yes Mm. But my kind of prog that I like isn't the kind that Yes typically do, where it's, even though Marillion do do these suites of songs now, but where it's sort of more a suite of music that kind of goes through different movements very quickly, Mm. you know, that it will chop and change. I like the kind of prog where songs build organically, which is what I think Marillion do at their best very well. And also what I think Genesis at their best do very well. And also... People like Stephen Wilson mm. or Pink Floyd. But Those Stephen are the Wilson's kind of prog- was, songs were different. Stephen Wilson's songs seemed, and I love Stephen. I'm like, oh my god! After listening to him yesterday, he's just a genius. He's a, he is a genius. But they have a different quality about them. They're a little bit more. They've they've some of his songs that I heard yesterday. I'm not going to say all of them had a bit more of a poppy quality. Yeah, a bit but more depends what era. Depends. Yeah, maybe if, it depends if it's what off era. the new album. Mm. Um, then yes, absolutely. They're still because, amazing. Be, because certainly the last couple of albums have gone very poppy. Mm. Um, but again, I think that's also something that Meridian and Genesis do have in common, is that they always, even in their progier days, had a pop sensibility. Mm. And that has continued. You know, it's the classic thing, and I've said it on here before, you know, two pop for prog fans, two prog for pop fans. Right, <laughs> yeah. And Genesis in the 80s went way more pop Right. Than Prague. And, you know, perhaps part of the problem with Marillion in the 90s is that they kind of felt maybe we should do that to have some more hits mm. and yet didn't feel quite comfortable doing that. I get that sense. Mm. So, But they uh, both have a kind of epicness to this. Okay, so what I'm comparing is to, for example, like when Dave Gilmore came on yesterday, uh, again, loved everything of his that came on, but it seemed a little bit more simplified well his his solo stuff yeah isn't like pink floyd right it's kind of more bluesy yeah um more bluesy sort of atmospheric yeah laid back whereas the genesis and the marillion had a real kind of big show sound yeah but that's pink floyd again um and another thing 
I think I would enjoy hearing the instrumental bits from Marillion in a, in a huge yeah, environment yeah, like absolutely. Birmingham NIA, just like with Genesis, because I think Marillion's musicians have that talent as well. Well, one of my favourite bits world of world-class talent. Any Marillion gig, if they play Ocean Cloud, the bit where it all goes kind of quiet and you hear... Don Allen's voice over there with the scene you just hear the birds and it's just the mm. the music conjures up the, the sea just the rolling waves and it's you know no singing it's just gorgeous yeah. and then before it kicks in and H comes back in and it just goes boom and the it's waves so much hit. atmosphere um, so yeah they absolutely would I agree you know it, it's a crying shame that they'll probably never get that opportunity to play somewhere as big as that because they we'll deserve never say it. never. We can hope. We can hope. I mean, I, I'd love for them to. I would absolutely love it. But, yeah, so that was the similarity that I heard. It wasn't It wasn't in the way that one was copying the other or they, oh, these, these, this could be the same band. It wasn't like that. No. It was something about the quality of their sound, something about the structure of the songs, at least the ones that came on, yeah. maybe not all of their songs. But this the is the thing. It, 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 I mean, to understand why Genesis and Marillion don't sound the same, mm. you kind of, I suppose, have to kind of go right back to, okay, where did that come from? Where did that comparison come from? Right. Because even in their script days, I don't think Marillion really sounded like Genesis. Mm. We all know the story of Grendel and how well okay here look, let me read some quotes from Fish because Grendel is really there are two where, places where it really stemmed from Fish wearing the makeup mm-hmm. what Fish would do on stage because like Peter Gabriel he was very theatrical he also told long rambling stories in between the songs uh, and on top of that they had the song Grendel which basically rips off Supper's Ready um, and then uh Anyway, let me just read this. So so Fish said, um, they play this song called The Tower, which wasn't Grendel as you know it. As far as musically, the, this was Fish talking about before he joined the band, what the right. band had. They had this song called The Tower, which wasn't Grendel as you know it, as far as musically. The whole first section was different. They play this song, which had the bit, sings the familiar bass line. I'm saying, we can't do that. It's supper's ready. And they said, we have to do this. We're not changing it. Um, and then in another interview, he says, uh, we just thought let's write a big long song because that's what progressive rock bands do. But yes, it was very, very Genesis orientated. Basically, it was Supper's Ready. The lyrics were inspired by John Gardner's book Grendel. Steve and I put the song together and it just swung into that Supper's Ready thing. We actually signed to the publisher Charisma and Tony Smith, the Genesis manager, came to us. We became friends. But after about two years, uh, he actually said, if I'd known you'd written that song and I heard it before we signed you, I would have sued you. <laughs> oh. So the thing is, though, I think also what, what, why the press got confused, aside from the fact it, it's very easy to kind of go label a band in a certain way. Mm. Um, Genesis were very um, middle class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all were public school boys. Marillion were very working class. And I think as well the song Garden Party didn't help Marillion's case because Garden Party, if you didn't actually dig into what the lyrics were about, it seems like it's a song that's sort of celebrating garden parties and that kind of 
you know, posh Englishness, when in fact it's doing the opposite. It's taking the piss out of the sort of thing mm. that Genesis were really from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that probably contributed as well. But also on top of that, you know, Marillion would say stuff in interviews about we love Prog and, you know, we're re-establishing uh, an era uh, which has all been forgotten about. <laughs> they brought a lot of it upon themselves. You know, they did dress up like monks. They did. Um, Fish would wear a big helmet on stage and stuff. Um, but the other thing is that Marillion, I think, were more influenced, or at least from to my ears, more audibly influenced in those early days by um, Camel and Peter Hamill from Vandergraaf Generator. Fish is, you know, Fish often kind of got, oh, he sounds like Peter Gabriel. No, he doesn't. Have you ever heard Peter Gabriel sing? Peter Gabriel sings. <laughs> it was Fish's. <laughs> in those early days. Anyway, he doesn't sound like Peter right. Gabriel. If anything, his delivery sounds like Peter Hamill. Um, and he's admitted that as well. Uh, and the music, Rothers, the guitar, uh, is is way more camel than... than and, and way more camel mixed with Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Mm. You know, it's not Steve Hackett. Mm. But the problem with that is the general public haven't heard of Peter Hamill or Camel. Right. <laughs> or Caravan, who also there was an influence Caravan in there are as good. well. They came on Caravan are well. great. I love Caravan. I love Caravan. Caravan, Camel, Peter Hamill, all massive influences on, on Marillion. But the general public have heard of Genesis, you know, right. so it's much easier to go, oh, they ripped them off because mm. there were some superficial similarities. Mm. Um, I've actually got quite an interesting quote from Mark Kelly here, uh, if I can find it. So here's a quote from an interview um, from a US paper in 1986, which referred to Fish as, as lead singer Derek Williams, a.k.a. Fish. Where the hell they got that from? It was Derek Is William Dick, I suppose. Williams? No, Derek Dick. Maybe he told the US press that it was Derek Williams, so he didn't get the piss taken out of him. Ah. Do you reckon? No, it's Derek William Dick, so do you reckon that happened? Oh, right. I Unless they thought he was Derek William mm. Dick. <laughs> Which is quite possible. Dick is a title, not a name. Um, so anyway, the interviewer asked Mark Kelly, uh, does it bother you when people compare Meridian to Genesis? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Kelly laughed and said, you get pretty straight to the point, don't you? Some people usually do a lead into that question. He says, uh, no, it doesn't really. In Europe, we've been compared to Genesis, especially in Germany and France. But I think in a lot of cases, it's just a way for people to, to describe the music rather than actually saying, we think you sound like Genesis, therefore you're not any good. I think normally they do it as a way of saying there's this new band out and the nearest thing to them is Genesis, which I don't mind at all. But we don't really sound that much like them anyway. We do have influences from 70s progressive rock bands. You can hear that, but that's not necessarily just Genesis. My biggest influence was probably Yes as a band when I was just starting to play keyboards at about 15. And so obviously Rick Wakeman figured quite heavily there and Keith Emerson. It was really those sort of bands, anything from Camel to Gentle Giant. Ah. Again, bands that really the general public haven't heard of. Right. Um, and and by the 80s, um, yeah, Marillion, as we know, kind of hit in the 80s at a time when prog rock was not fashionable. Supposedly, 
supposedly uh, punk rock had killed it off, despite mm. the fact that all those big bands just carried on regardless. <laughs> None of You're them got killed dead. off. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one told us. Yeah. You know? um, and, and in a way, Meridian probably got the sort of the hard end of the stick more than those bands did who already had like huge fan bases. So it, it just, and Genesis, but Genesis were sort of seen as a bit crap. And so it Even just though they were a, massively internationally successful, doesn't mean anything, does it? To the cool newspapers or the cool music press, oh. yeah. Don't forget, music is all about what's cool. Meridian were never cool, not really. And neither were Genesis. And neither were Genesis. Time, so yeah, oh, it absolutely. Unlike... Because didn't you say that Genesis had been voted best? Or maybe I saw it on. A... Oh no, you you know you found this, not me. The best, best live band in in uh, one one year, probably in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, they were they were as I said, they were ubiquitous. Genesis mm. were everywhere, but they weren't. Oh God, let's not have a conversation about what's cool and what isn't. Yeah, let's. They were not cool. Who's cooler, Genesis or Iron Maiden? Oh God, there's not a lot in that, really, is there? <laughs> Being big and popular automatically doesn't make you cool. You you're the opposite of cool. If you're big and popular. Mm. But as well, aside from the fact that once you kind of get beyond Grendel, mm. even their first single, Market Square Heroes, was so different to Genesis. Meridian always had a right. harder yeah. edge. They yeah. always had like a kind of socially social conscience, mm -hmm. which Genesis, you know, until you kind of get to the 80s and like, you know, Another Day in Paradise or No Son of Mine, which... You know, two songs, which by Phil Collins' own admission, he came up with the song titles before he knew what the songs were going to be about. Um, you know, so I never really bought into mm. Genesis having a social conscience. You know, as I, even when a song like Forgotten Sons, which admittedly was inspired by Fish's cousin having a, a brick thrown at him, even then I, 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 I felt Fish meant it. <laughs> yeah, and H when he's seeing, I buy it. He means it. Mm. Um, there was Genesis. Yeah, I mean, from uh, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like I'm that familiar with Genesis, but from my limited experience of their songs, I definitely have more of a connection with Marillion lyrics. Mm. Genesis, I love the sound. I love the music. It's great, but Marillion can get you with the lyrics as well. Yes. Yeah. Which is why we focus on the lyrics because I think mm. they deserve that attention. You know, yes. Yeah, I know. for sure. I know the music is every bit as important, but, but with Genesis, well, look, I mean, Meridian song like Marcus Square has to do with unemployment and, you know, a guy who was talking about changing the world, you know, the, the market <laughs> square hero, um, you know, forgotten sons about Northern Ireland. Uh, but even God. their deeply personal songs. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, something like yeah, okay, they're yeah. not necessarily just the ones with the social conscience. But Marillion have so many. Well, look at script really for just personal as dear. songs. Something like that. So, so you, you know, it, it felt like very early on, Marillion were, were dealing with the real world, whereas <laughs> Genesis, I mean Jesus, like. The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Well, what was Meridian's biggest concept album? Well, the two biggest concept albums. You had Misplaced Childhood, which was about Fish's relationship breaking down uh, with Kay. And then Brave, which was about an abused girl running away from home. So um, I've taken this from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. I may not read all of it, 
but this is the plot of um, the album, the concept album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? I'm ready. One morning in New York City, Rail is holding a can of spray paint, hating everyone around him. He witnesses a lamb lying down on Broadway, which has a profound effect on him. As he walks along the street, he sees a dark cloud take the shape of a movie screen and slowly move towards him, finally absorbing him. Seeing an explosion of images of the current day before he wakes up in a cave and falls asleep once again. Rail wakes up and finds himself trapped in a cage of stalactites and stalagmites, which slowly close in towards him. As he tries to escape, he sees many other people in many other cages before spotting his brother John outside. Rail calls to him, but John walks away and the cage suddenly disappears. Rail now finds himself on the floor of a factory and is given a tour of the area by a woman, where he watches people being processed like packages. He spots old members of his New York City gang and also John with the number 9 stamped on his forehead. Fearing for his life, Rail escapes into a corridor and has an extended flashback of returning from a gang raid in New York City. A dream where his hairy heart is removed and shaved with a razor <laughs> and his first sexual encounter. Rail's flashback ends and he finds himself in a lot anyway. It's like what? It's very biblical, isn't it? Yeah. What's the book at the end of the Revelation? <laughs> the Revelation. I mean, also, it goes on like that. Rail, yeah, as in railing. R a e r a e l. Oh right, like Rael. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like an angel, angelic name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Very uh, biblical. So I think lyrically, even completely e- different. Completely, completely different. different. Yes, there is a, there is a degree and... of in those early days of of similarity in stagecraft between Fish and Gabriel in mm. the term in terms of Fish acting out the songs and dressing up a little bit and telling long stories but those stories were more about his life or real things rather Mm. than what Gabriel would do which he would tell these long sort of weird surreal fairy tales Mm. really Uh, I had no idea yeah yeah uh, you know it's not across the board did you ever go and see a Genesis show with Peter Gabriel I would have been four when he left oh (laughs) (laughs) that's a no then (laughs) no been like yeah four baby paul was not in that audience yeah he was gone but yeah i mean i you have you've never seen it on dvd or anything yeah we have we've so was you it... and i've watched it on a saturday night and we've had it i've had him on in the background with the, yeah i guess in, in with the his background. reverse mohican thing going on oh yeah which talking of things mm. like that talking of mm. i remember back in the 80s after i got into meridian of of the Sun newspaper, because my parents used to get The Sun, accusing Fish of copying Phil Collins' hairstyle. It's like they're what? both balding. What are they meant to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, really, oh, The Sun? Yeah. No, Meridian are now so obsessed with copying Genesis that Phil is now even... Oh, Phil? That Fish is now even imitating Phil Collins' haircut. Oh, dear. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe it was meant to be tongue-in-cheek. Might have been Regardless, it was mm-hmm. just getting stupid in spitting image i've mentioned this before i'm sure on air the spitting image book which had a review of marillion's new album you know where which had songs like supper's nearly ready on it and stuff like that it's just it's completely groundless Mm. and also aside from that you know phil collins who's been the new boy in genesis since 1976 or something like that or 75 um 
you know, after he took over on lead vocals, Genesis became far more successful than they had been with right. their original lead singer. So it's yeah. like the, the opposite journey that Marillion had. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's such lazy journalism. That's all it is. Based upon some very superficial evidence mm. early on mm. that Marillion never even denied. But by the time you get to Sando Fugazi, which we reviewed or re-reviewed last week, you can't say it's remotely like Genesis. Mm. Genesis have never done a song as heavy as something like Assassin or mm. Punch and Judy or Emerald Lies. Mm. It's completely different. And yet those... Because this is what happened. Because I'd... I, uh, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, he uh, used to have The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway on vinyl. Right. And I, I loved the cover. Um, I never bothered listening to the album. This was when I was really little. And then when I got into Marillion and I started seeing all these Genesis comparisons and I thought, I need to get into this band, Genesis. But, the, you know, obviously Genesis were doing kind of like, you know, Invisible Touch. Yeah, so they've, songs moved, like, they've yeah. moved on. They've yeah, moved on. And I thought, it don't sound anything like them. Mm. I don't get it. So I thought I'd have a listen to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And even mm. though I like it, mm. it's a great album, I still, I don't really hear Marillion in it. Mm. Or rather Genesis in Marillion. It's just not. It's, and aside from anything else, again, it's that thing that you sort of said that, that Marillion lyrics have always managed to affect me emotionally. Yeah. And Genesis never has. Mm. And I think that was one of the... Marillion li- lyrics are often more personal. And it's one of the things that they've somehow managed to continue with going forwards with H. Somehow... Even better with H. Well, yeah, I, I think, think H's lyrics are just... H, H does personal lyrics really well. I've said it before, but I think I think he's become a better lyricist than Fish. Mm. Um and yet Genesis, it's like live, like seeing them the other night. Mm. It felt like it's a show in a kind of, you know, oh, here we are, it's party night. We're gonna, yeah, it you know, was a show, and for sure. It isn't about trying to move the audience in an emotional way. It's mm. about kind of getting you up Exactly. And on your there feet. wasn't anyone crying. No, apparently there, there were. Oh, were I there? I looked on some, yeah. Oh, really? A, a okay, I take group. that back. Some people were crying. <laughs> but were they crying because the songs moved them or because they were happy to because be seeing happy Genesis again? Yeah. Um, I didn't feel particularly touched emotionally by any of the songs. And I have been at a Marillion yeah. concert. I have several times. Yeah. And that's because of the lyrics it, mixed with the music. They they do. They just go straight to the heart, some of those songs. What Marillion do brilliantly is they will write music that somehow conveys the emotion that's being sung. Yes, yes, and they Genesis, do. I don't get that, particularly in the... Phil Collins era I mean the Gabriel era are the same actually I don't I've never felt kind of like oh what's the emotion that's being conveyed here the mm-hmm. one time it happened on the other night um, was when they were singing Invisible Touch and, and No Son of Mine he yeah. was he was really feeling No Son of Mine yes he yeah well he, he seemed like he was at least maybe uh, but yeah when he but when he sung you know she'll fuck up your life and spat those words mm. you kind of go yeah, he's feeling that at the minute, isn't he? <laughs> Which he is, by all accounts. Um, so, yeah, so I don't... It, yeah, it feels more like they're a band that aren't about getting you in the heart, but sort of getting you in the 
I don't know, the toes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I mean. I mean, they were still good. They're still great because the quality of the music is just like, oh my God, world class. And when, they, when the camera would zoom in on like the guitar player or yeah. zoom in on the keyboard player's hands, zoom in on the, the, the drums and you just go, yeah, this is why they're feeling... It was a big sound. It was a big these, sound. These musicians are absolutely world class. Yeah. The drums, they, they seem to, I don't know if they did it on purpose or if every concert's like this, or I know I'm just more aware of drums at the moment. Um, I don't know if the sound, it sounded like the, the drums were, the volume was kind of put up on them. Yeah. Because you could hear them quite so possibly. clearly. May I just take you up on uh, that little comment you just made you're quite you're more aware of drums at the moment can i ask you what that means i didn't want to let that go by no oh um, i will, I will i'm more aware of drums at the yeah, moment i will explain why because last week when i was listening to fugazi live and you said or just fugazi and you said keep an ear out for uh. ian because he joined and see if you can notice the difference. And I really did. And it was hearing Ian playing Emerald Lies and the drums in that. Right. It was like, whoa, that's amazing. amazing. And so then I was like, I spent that album really listening to it. Mm. And then I think when we got to Genesis, the sound was, it seemed like it was the volume and the drums was clearer. Right. I noticed it more yeah uh and it's just i mean first of all i don't know how people can play the drums because like who has that amount of coordination octopi yeah they'd be great it would be good so Um, yeah and the keyboardist as well it's just oh they're also world class um, You've said that a lot. I've lost (laughs) i've lost my thread because i was going to bring it back to marillion because it's about them being world class well they definitely are what I would, think what Marillion... was that? What, sorry, I missed it. What did you say they were? <laughs> I, I think I missed it. They were world what? No, I've lost my thread of thought world now. World weary, is that what you said? <laughs> world weary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I, remember I can't, the can't... point I was originally making. Probably about them being world class. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> Why did I start that comment? But oh, now my drums. ear's ringing. It's all happening. Oh, Jesus. It's the drums, the drums. <laughs> it's the drums, boss, the drums. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. So on, on a musical level, Genesis was phenomenal. The words were kind of secondary. Yeah. The lyrics, they were nice to sing along to for some songs, mm. right? But I wasn't really taking them in. No, no. Whereas, they, were, they were sing-along songs. Well, they were, they? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Marillion can have a sing-along song or or not, you know, you mm. might not want to sing along, but, but the lyrics are just as heavy. Yeah. They've got as much weight as the music as a lot the music, of the time. At yes. their best. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, I'm glad. That was a really long-winded way of saying that, that one last sentence. She just, just cut to the chase and just said, the Marillion's lyrics are world-class. They are. They are. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Don't throw that at me. It's a pillow. Yeah, I know, but there's water and stuff over here. I'm not going to throw a pillow at you. Don't worry. Yeah, good. Um, well, that'll probably bring us to an end for this week. Yes. Uh, not quite the 50th episode spectacular that I wanted it to be. 
Oh, well. Well, partly, partly <laughs> We've because... We've got ourselves to blame. Yeah, but partly it's because uh, we just didn't get our arse into gear in time for for doing this episode really because we we've ever since we had our, our live show a few weeks ago we've just been playing catch up haven't we yeah and then we have ending up going I to st- i still haven't caught up end up going to birmingham on monday for the night uh and then next week we're launching a kickstarter for our other thing digitizer a new mm. series of that and that's been taking up a bit of time so apologies we really wanted to do something special for our 50th um I just thought, you know, doing an interview with a member of the band, a particular member of the band, would have would have been great. But he never got back to me, so uh. I'm kind of re- I'm relieved <laughs> yeah. at this stage. Yeah, well, we'll perhaps we could do him for our fifty third episode spectacular. <laughs> I just wanted to get him before he goes off on tour and stuff. Yeah, he's probably really busy at the moment. Doing what? Well, they've got a new album coming out. I don't yeah, know well, if he's you got know. nothing to do. He's, really? he's recorded. It's all over to Mike Hunter now. You don't now. know what they have to do behind the scenes. Well, he's got to do his podcast. They've got to. They've got to rehearse. He didn't have any Fugazi uh, special editions to sign. They have to rehearse. They for what? The tour. They won't be doing to... that for a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. You can't <laughs> think. You know what? What's going on in their lives? Yeah, I can. I can think what I like. <laughs> um, well, next week, we are getting on to anarachnophobia, starting with the crowdfunding stuff. Ah. Um, and then the album itself. That was, was a bit of a weird... Why are you that not saying really things? low you've, energy. You've gone very low energy. I know, and it's, it's infected me. No, I didn't go low energy. That sentence went low energy. Did it? Next week. Hey, next week we're <laughs> doing crowdfunding here on Bien Pod. And then the week after we're getting into Animophobia, the album. Probably, yeah. Join us on Bien Pod. Woohoo. Woohoo. Uh, yes, subscribe. Tell people about us. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to go super high energy now. I'm doing it now. Oh, you, you I, like, I like your natural rhythm. Do you now? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> what? Oi, oi. What? And on that note, we will talk to you next week. What does that mean? Yeah, they know. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.